0: There are some loves that are eternal that you take to the grave with you, you know. I believe Richard Burton
1: on his deathbed looked up and said, she still fascinates me, you know. Um, I mean, this guy has been searching for 400 years. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Don't Be Afraid of Your Dreams, The podcast where we talk about the movies we love and the monsters we all face. I'm your host, David Anderson, and today we're talking about love, death, destiny, romance, and magic with a little help from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Diary, 14th February. My dear Halloween has been gone almost four months, and although I was disappointed we could not celebrate in the usual way, I am happy to know that there will be many Halloweens to come. I do so hope that we'll soon see an end to this dreadful pandemic. I fear any plans to travel or even perform simple tasks in the usual way will continue to be postponed. It must be so nice to see strange countries. I wonder if we, I mean my lover and I, ever see them together. Oh, hey. Sorry, I didn't even see you there. I was a million miles away, just lost in romantic reverie. But it's good to see you. Come on in. What's been going on? When last we spoke, we were wrapping up our month-long Halloween celebration. Hard to believe that was almost four months ago. And you know, I had every good intention, so many good intentions, enough good intentions to pave a superhighway straight to hell of checking in with you before now. But... I believe in divine timing. I love divine timing, especially when it provides a convenient way for me to rationalize away my own tendency to procrastinate. Hmm. Let me check. No, doesn't feel right. Well, it's not right, better way for divine timing. Mm-hmm. I'll know, I'll know. best not to rush things. So I invite you to use that too if you need to, especially in these still strange times. If you're not able to quite get the momentum you want or need, eh, don't be too hard on yourself. Wait for that universal alarm clock to go off. Hit snooze a few times if you need to. Wake me up when the coffee's brewed and my vaccine is ready. Mm, is that Sumatra or Moderna? Oh. Okay, now I'm ready. The timing is right for this episode on this San Valentin's Day, this 14 of February. It is the time. Of this season we your love runs high, high, high And this time Give it to me easy Let me try with pleasure, hands To take you in the sun To promise lands To show you everyone Is it time Of this season For love please. So a few questions for you. What's your name? Who's your daddy? And how do you feel about Valentine's Day? Do you think it's a bullshit Hallmark holiday designed to make single people feel bad? Do you not really care either way and just choose to ignore it completely? Or do you embrace it wholeheartedly and gorge on sentiment and chalky candy hearts until you puke? Let me tell you, at one time or another, I have embodied all of these. I'm every woman. I've been up and down the Valentine's Day spectrum, veering wildly from one extreme to the other. Once as a kid, I discovered an unopened bag of those gross sweetheart candies in our kitchen cabinet. Ate the entire thing and barfed. (laughs) I say, it's not Valentine's Day until cloyingly sweet pastel-colored sentiments are literally shooting out of you. That's how you do it. I love love, even when it makes me sick. And doesn't it always, though? I don't know about you, but love has been the great horror of my life. And I don't mean that in a bad way, despite how it sounds. Love is probably my greatest motivator. And what else is there really? I've taken leaps of faith and faced the terrifying unknown in pursuit of passion and the desire to create a life that I love. I've tried to forgive and have empathy for people who may have hurt me in some way, particularly when I knew that their maybe misguided actions were actually based in love. Mm, atrocities committed in the name of love. I've yearned for intimacy and connection and partnership and felt very, very deeply the absence of those things, too, as well as the sense of loss and disappointment when friendships and relationships end, as we all have. I've tried, am trying to be a loving and generous person, which isn't always easy, especially when it comes to being loving and generous with oneself. I love soup. Whatever it is, it can all feel like death. Am I laughing or screaming? Love can feel a lot like death, right? Like your insides are being ripped out. So, yeah, it obviously makes total sense that we should talk about love on a horror podcast. And after all, if we've learned anything from Oprah and haven't we learned a lot, it's that there are really only two emotions, fear and
0: love. Now, at the basis of everything, when you pull away the layers, pull away the layers, peel away the layers... There are really only two emotions in the world. And how do I know this? How do I know there are only two emotions in the world? Because I'm Oprah and I did the Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> and this is what I learned after 37,000 interviews with people. There's, you're only moving in the direction of love or fear. At any given time, you're moving in the direction of love or fear.
1: Fear and love. Nothing else to really talk about and nothing scarier. And the same can be said of Valentine's Day. If you do a quick search, you'll immediately come up with a slew of articles with titles like the dark origins of Valentine's Day or the gory origins of Valentine's Day. Dark and gory, you say? Say Abla aspen, yes. Roses are red, violets are blue. They'll need dental records to identify you. Not surprisingly, like all of our holidays with ties to the Judeo-Christian tradition, alongside Halloween, Christmas, Easter, etc. Valentine's Day is a delightful blend of pagan ritual, Christian meddling and appropriation, and a secret ingredient, in this case, of course love. Is our contemporary Valentine's Day actually a weird amalgamation of the ancient Roman fertility festival of Lupercalia, a Catholic feast day honoring the martyrdom of two saints, and a later association with romantic love first referenced by Chaucer in 1382? Question mark? Maybe? Kinda sorta. I do love a soup, and this soup is thick. But the fact of the matter is, Valentine's Day, in some form or another, has been around for a long time, as has the tradition of exchanging tokens of love, and specifically cards, dating back to at least the 1700s, with the first mass-produced valentines manufactured in the United States around 1847, so there you go, there's your little history of Valentine's Day. As I have said many times on the show, and I'll never miss an opportunity to say it yet again, I love holidays and ritual and tradition for me they represent an opportunity to acknowledge the passage of time our place in the rhythm of things our place in the shared experience of what it means to be human to be alive to feel into something with deep roots and maybe even to experience a little magic something we can always use more of in this world obsessed with science The meaning of and tradition surrounding all of our holidays has continued to evolve over time, so much so that their exact origins are murky at best. So I invite you to continue that tradition yourself by making Valentine's Day your own. If you want to roll your eyes and sit it out, that's cool. But if that's where you are, I invite you to ask yourself, why? Like I said, I've kind of been all over the place with it. When I've been single, I've made an effort to use the day to do that thing, you know, where you honor and love yourself, yawn, Um, or my passion or my love for my friends. For instance, one year, rather than sitting around feeling left out or sorry for myself, two single friends and I decided to do a project where we drove around and took photos at shooting locations from various horror movies around LA, recreating specific scenes with me or us as the characters. It was really fun. It felt inspired and creative and on purpose and like a fusion of pretty much everything that i love so if you're looking for a way to celebrate love maybe outside of a romantic relationship this year maybe consider some version of that some kind of project something or other honoring yourself and the things that you love but you know what even then i still went home that night and felt a little sad And I think at a certain point, I sensed what felt like the collective orgasm everyone else in the world was probably having except me. So if you also want to sit around and acknowledge that you feel a little left out depending on what your situation is, well, that's okay too. However, if you're an anti-Valentiner, I would maybe caution you against letting yourself become too bitter. Oh, I know. It's easy to slip into bitterness, particularly where love and relationships are concerned. Take it from one who knows. And that bitterness and disappointment can really take its toll. It can make you shut down and become defensive. You can withdraw and become older than your years. And before you know it, you're dried up, skulking around your castle in a kabuki-inspired dressing gown, feeling like you're 400 years old and plotting revenge on everyone and everything who's hurt you. God! All right. Hang on. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, or at least I am. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula. So good, right? Released originally on November 13th, 1992 in the United States. Friday, November 13th. What a release date. And I remember it well because there was a USA Network up all night Friday the 13th marathon on that day. And I was very excited for this movie and got my dad to take me to a midnight screening of it the Thursday night before release day. Even though I was 13, a young naive girl of 13 who had school the next day. And my dad as always was very cool and agreeable in part because I think he enjoyed these movies as much as I did. I still associate Dracula with Thanksgiving and kind of the holidays in general because of the memories I have of seeing it multiple times in November 1992. And to this day, I consider it one of the transitional films. I used to nurse my Halloween hangover and ease myself into the holidays. So I typically rewatch it every November 13th. Happy anniversary. I loved it then and I love it now. This is one of those movies I have a very hard time being (laughs) objective about because I've seen it so many times and I love it so much. It's like one of my children or at least a very close friend and I'm kind of incapable of seeing its flaws, if it even has any. Okay, maybe some of the acting is a little stiff. Keanu's performance as Jonathan Harker is not generally well regarded. That accent, Mm, but I find it all very charming and I think it has aged very well, particularly because all the effects are practical and done in camera using technology from the silent era. The makeup is great, the costume design is unexpected and by no means on the nose, so nothing aside from the casting maybe really dates this film. There's no early 90s CGI that really takes you out of it. It's lush and romantic and bold and dramatic and gory and funny, everything I want to be. And as a kid, something about it felt dangerous to me. Aside from the menace of Dracula himself, a lot of that sense of danger was probably due to the sexuality in the film, where there's vampires, there's bound to be sex, right? There's a lot of writhing and moaning in bed, tearing at one's bodice, wolf sex, blood play, Mm, just another Monday night. I remember my mom seeing a segment on Entertainment Tonight promoting the film, after I'd already seen it, where they were discussing the strong sexual content, M.A. And when she kind of expressed some concern over the material I was consuming and had been consuming all along. Worldly 13-year-old me rolled his eyes, lit up a cigarette, and said, Oh, Mom, calm down. It's not perverted. It's erotic. Erotique. Get into it. Yeah, I was really in touch with my eroticism and sensuality in middle school. Probably way more so than I am now because I've since had the opportunity to put it to the test and learned a lot more about shame and rejection. And oh, wait, no, sorry, different show. Okay, all right, let's keep it sexy. I'm gonna undo my top button. Okay, cool. I consider this the definitive version of Dracula. Now, there are several ways in which Coppola's film adaptation differs from the source material. Vlad the Impaler, a real historical figure, of course, was one source of inspiration for Stoker's Dracula, but the character isn't given any backstory in the novel or motivation, aside from a desire to spread his evil undead curse across the land, which, eh, I guess that's plenty. But in the movie, we see a prologue wherein we're presented with Dracula's origin story, and here, Dracula is, in fact, to vlad the impaler a nobleman and warrior in the crusades fighting in his words to defend the church against all enemies of christ while away in battle his enemies deliver a letter to his wife Elisabeta. falsely notifying her that dracula has been killed stricken with grief she commits suicide by flinging herself out a window and into a river sorry Guys, it's really hard not to lapse into the voices from the movie. When Dracula returns to his castle to find that his wife is dead, he's understandably a little upset. Having pledged to defend the Christian church, he feels betrayed by God, enraged to discover that the reward for his devotion has been the tragic loss of his true love. He then renounces God, Defects to team evil, and summons all the powers of darkness which he will use to wage war upon all that is good and holy to avenge his wife's death. And in a kind of perversion of holy communion, he drinks blood from a chalice and is reborn as the monster we all know and love. Dramatic Christian do of Music, title card, Bram Stoker's Dracula, boom, it is good. So... Here, Dracula is a kind of tragic figure, right? And his motives are more clear. And this was kind of a trend with what we now consider familiar depictions of vampires that started in the 1990s, when these formerly parasitic ghouls became our romantic anti-heroes, mooning around in the darkness, isolated and misunderstood in a way that all teenagers can probably relate to, some adults too, And Rice, of course, had a lot to do with that. I really appreciate and respond to this added layer of Dracula's story because, well, everything he does is coming from a place of trauma, woundedness, deep pain, and loss. Which doesn't excuse any of it, of course, but seeing it writ large on the screen in this way, in these grand mythic terms, it feels relatable. And I don't know about you, but having suffered my fair share of disappointment yearning and pain when it comes to relationships and love. There have been many times when I've wanted to just turn my back on the whole thing, renounce it outright, say, nope, nah, not for me. I'm gonna withdraw to my shadowy fortress to live out my years in peaceful solitude, a bitter creature resigning himself to a half-life. Believing that love is for fools who will all eventually be stricken with the same disappointment that I have. Maybe even rubbing my hands together and cackling a little bit with every wedding announcement I receive. They'll see. They'll all see. <laughs> oh, that'd be so easy to do. And so tempting. But as we often come back to on this show, we can learn a lot from these monsters. There's much to be learned from beasts without going so far as to become monsters ourselves. As much as I love monsters and Dracula himself, that's not really who I want to be. I probably want to be Mina, if I'm being honest. And you know, Dracula could only fool himself for so long. Centuries pass, but as soon as he gets a whiff of true love again, he's like, oh, I'm in. Book my passage on the love boat, a.k.a. the Demeter. Mina, I'm a-coming. That is so me. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's you, too. You can't fool me for one second. You're probably like, whatever, David. I'm a creature of the night, and love is for chumps. I don't need that shit. This is the 90s. I'm a strong, independent woman, and I don't need a partner. Well, that's true. You don't need one, but you might want one. Let's talk about it. It is, after all, Valentine's Day so together let's table any residual disappointment or bitterness or over it osity no need to get all dramatic and renounce god We're going to see what we can learn from Dracula and his search for redemption and true love. Because I think Dracula can teach us a lot about the do's and don'ts of dating and relationships. So go ahead and grab a pen. Surprise! The Order of the Dragon has awarded you with a scholarship. Congratulations! You are hereby enrolled in Prince Vlad's Charm School. So please take your seats because class begins now. (music) Okay, as we walk through our course of study with Professor Vlad, we will be guided by seven key principles. Principle one, belief. Do you believe in destiny?
0: That even the powers of time can be wanted for a single purpose. The luckiest man who walks on this earth is the one who finds true love.
1: When it comes to love, and even soulmates perhaps, the first principle is belief you have to believe that it's possible. It might be tempting to kind of cynically sit back with your arms crossed and dare life or the universe to prove you wrong and dazzle you if you become kind of disillusioned with the whole thing, but that's not going to serve you very well. As some of you may know, about a year and a half ago, I left a relationship of almost seven years and that wasn't necessarily an easy decision to make. I've had my singlehood. You know, prior to that experience, of course, I dated and been in other relationships, but nothing that long or that serious. And I'd also lived by myself for 10 years. So I wasn't like, oh, I need to find myself or learn who I am outside of this relationship. I'd done it. And I wasn't really all that eager to do it again and I eventually had to admit to myself that my relationship just wasn't working and that's a hard place to get to it just wasn't right for lack of a better word but rather than feeling like I'd failed or that anyone had done anything wrong I had to acknowledge that what was really happening for me was I was craving a deep level of intimacy and connection friendship and partnership that was really calling to me Uh, I felt like it was out there and that my current relationship had served its purpose which was in part to help me gain clarity on what I wanted and needed which is usually what needs to happen right it would be so much easier if we could just know what we want and need without having to experience what we don't want first but that's not usually how it goes we need that contrast I guess to get that focus so things weren't like the absolute worst but that's faint praise It would have been easy and totally possible for me to stay where I was and say, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is just what it's like, and I should keep trying to make this work somehow and just be grateful that I have it. But that wasn't feeling authentic, and I believed or got to a place of believing that there was something and someone else out there for me, even though there was no real evidence of that. Just a feeling, a yearning on my part, I guess, a faint spark of hope in the dark, maybe. I wanted to believe that the depth of intimacy and connection I was seeking was out there for me and that I was also worthy of it. That's probably the hardest part. Not only giving voice to what you want, which can seem really scary and vulnerable, but believing that you are worthy of receiving it. That's the work and it doesn't happen overnight. I'm still working on it every day. So let's say that the first principle of Prince Vlad's Charm School And our course in love is belief. Let's say a big yes to that. Do I believe that even the powers of time can be altered for a single purpose? Sure. (laughs) That'll be our oath. Let that serve as the foundation of our curriculum, the possibility that love exists and that it's out there for you. Even if it feels like you're in the midst of a 400-year-long drought, please don't lose faith. Love will cross oceans of time to find you. But he can't find you if you take yourself out of the game too early and declare yourself ineligible. Even after all he'd been through, Dracula was still willing to say, The luckiest man who walks on this earth is the one who finds true love. And sure, that was a horrible accent. Sure, there might be a little bit of what we would call luck involved, but you've got to do your part too. Principle two, release old patterns. So at this point in your life, you've probably amassed a lot of stories. You have a history, a past. That's cool. But do you also have a pattern of some kind that you might want to break? Or do you find yourself repeatedly attracted to a particular type? Of course, it's fine to have a type and to be attracted to certain things, but maybe it's worth looking at repeated experiences or a pattern of attraction to certain personality types that aren't serving you well and may in fact be keeping you from the kind of relationship you want. We've probably all had those moments where we meet someone and we feel like we've known them forever, but is that always a good thing? Recently, a bit of wisdom was handed down to me, and that is... If you meet someone and you feel like birds are singing when they open their mouth and they're bathed in a shaft of golden light and you can't shake the feeling that you've met them before, well, maybe you should run because you probably have met them before. They're your mother or your father or the narcissistic ex-boyfriend who couldn't give you what you wanted. Hey, I know you. Maybe we met in a past life. Oh, right, we have. And that's not a life that I want to live again. Thank you. Of course, we all bring our stuff to our relationships, but if you meet someone and without even really talking to them or knowing them, you're like, ooh, ding, 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 I recognize this. Mm. That could be a sign of trouble and that maybe you're in danger of repeating something. Maybe you're projecting way too much on this person or looking at them through the eyes of past wounds. Whatever it is, let's become aware of any destructive patterns and let's endeavor to break them and not repeat them. Think of how much unnecessary bloodshed could have been avoided if when Mina met Dracula on the street, instead of being like, hey, I know you, cool glasses, BT dubs, let's check out the cinematograph. She'd been like, oh shit, you remind me of my ex-husband. This all feels too familiar and like something I've experienced before that didn't end well for me. Why do I feel like losing all hope and flinging myself out a window? No thanks. I'm gonna hike up my petticoat and call Lucy so she can talk some sense into me before I do something crazy. Principle 3. Shapeshift. Sure. Sure. That Dark Prince energy can be alluring, right? Check out that swagger, that hair, that ageless beauty. Mm, I love an accent. How exotic. I'm hearing Eastern Europe, Transylvania, maybe? But don't keep going for the emotionally manipulative vampire when you can have Jonathan Harker. Is Jonathan the shiniest guy in the room? Maybe not. Is he stable, devoted, ready for a relationship, husband material? Yes. So... Be willing to allow your expectations and your vision of what might be to shape shift. Be willing to adapt and let things look different than they have before. Endeavor to not be so rigid. Become more like mist, like vapor. Be open to the possibilities and see where things carry you. There's more to marriage than carnal pleasures.
0: Oh, Mina. So I see. You with much, much more.
1: Principle four, strategize. Okay, I like the word strategize and the idea of strategy because it's succinct and it kind of embodies a willingness to go for what you want. I love a plan, I got a plan. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Dracula had a plan and he was willing to get uncomfortable to go after what he wanted. He booked a very long passage on the Demeter to get to London so he could rendezvous with Mina and pursue his interest in foreign real estate. He was willing to do the work and put himself out there in service to finding love. Now, you can't really plan love, if only, but you can direct your energy into finding love in ways that make sense. So now that I've got your attention with the word strategize, let's expand that a little bit to include just a willingness to put yourself out there, to become a cooperative component. It's all well and good to expect destiny or the universe or whatever you want to call it to do most of the heavy lifting, but if you're hiding in your coffin all day, the chances of love finding you are pretty slim. I'm probably preaching to the choir, but I'm a big proponent of online dating. I know most of us probably are at this point and have given it a go, but if you haven't or aren't, maybe consider it. I'm a little surprised sometimes that I still have friends who are kind of resistant to the idea because they have an attachment to the way in which they think a relationship can or should show up or that they want it to show up. So they don't explore their options. Just keep the door open. I'm all for a chance encounter at the dog park or whatever. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't have a dog. But aside from the fact that we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, why not try to optimize the situation? If you know... That you want to be in a relationship put yourself in a pool of people who are looking for the same thing it's so easy now sure it might not be all fun and games we all have our share of dating horror stories online dating horror stories and of course be smart about it if dracula was willing to cross oceans of time and the actual ocean to find love you can install hinge on your phone so don't become a relic embrace new technology Let's be honest, part of Dracula's downfall eventually was his failure to stay current. He was fascinated by science and technology, but also threatened by it because he'd allowed himself to be left behind in his old ways, nursing his pain. So make yourself visible and demonstrate your willingness to take a bit of a risk. Again, I know we're still in COVID times, but at some point things will return to normal-ish. I'm also in favor of of an appropriate in-person approach. Not in a creepy or aggressive way, of course. But there's nothing wrong with striking up a conversation with a PYT who catches your eye. I'm sure pre-internet people did that all the time, right? I've heard. Dracula came up with a bullshit reason to approach Mina that first time. Oh, boo-hoo, I'm an eccentric foreign prince and I'm so confused by these busy London streets. Whatever. It worked. You can do some version of that too. I'll tell you a story, if it'll make you feel better, and demonstrate that I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. Before online dating, like I said, people (laughs) must have met in person all the time, right? How did that work? Who knows? But we just like talked to each other, I guess. So okay, it's been a while, but once upon a time, I used to work in a big office building on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, and there were a lot of other businesses in that building. So of course, I'd see a lot of the same people every day going to get coffee or on the elevator or whatever. And there was this guy who worked for Fredericks of Hollywood. Ooh la la, la, Fredericks of Hollywood Corporate, which I knew because that's the floor that he always got off on. And I just thought, something about him he seemed like a nice guy but of course yeah i also found him to be attractive and i was like "Ooh, he's a panty dropper in every sense frederick's of hollywood is he an accountant or like is he creating new innovations in g-strings i need to know what's this guy's story so this went on for a while me googling this guy getting lost in some kind of fantasy probably and i'd see him outside going to lunch or whatever all the time and i would do my best dracula impression just like see me See me now. See me. See me now. Willing him to notice me or talk to me, which he never did. They never do. And finally, I was like, well, I'm just going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to demonstrate to myself and the powers that be that I'm willing to put myself out there in service to finding love and certainly my efforts will be rewarded. So like Dracula, I entertain any number of bullshit reasons to talk to him. He was a smoker. Hot. So I considered asking to bum a cigarette and pretending to smoke. But then what? Was I going to stand there awkwardly and try to make small talk? No. Better to be bold and go for what I want. How about a direct approach? So one day I told myself, if I see him outside today, I'm going to talk to him. And I did. And I did. I walked up to him and delivered some version of, hi, I, okay, wasn't that bad. Hi, (laughs) we both work in this building and I see you all the time. And I don't even know if you're gay, even though I totally knew he was, but if you're up to it, I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee or something sometime. God, did you get nervous just hearing me tell that story right now? Because I got nervous telling it like it just happened. It was kind of one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done, but he was actually very sweet about it and said that he appreciated it, but that he was actually in a relationship. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. None of this ever happened, right? And there was a lovely epilogue to the story too. All that time, I had never been alone with him on the elevator. Ever. And the next day day after asking him out i arrive at work and the elevator opens on my level of the parking structure and he was the only one on it are you freaking kidding me anyway it was fine but (laughs) i wish that story had a little bit of a better ending in terms of me being able to motivate you which is my intention but the point is i took a risk i had what passed for a plan (laughs) and i saw it through because if there's something you want you got to be willing to go for it even if it's scary Principle five, self-care. Maybe you've been out of the game for a while and you're looking to dip your toes back into the dating pool. Or maybe you've just been wasting away in quarantine, haven't we all? That's fine. We've all been trying to survive a global pandemic after all. But if you're feeling like the time is right and you want to reinvigorate your love life, maybe start with a little bit of self-care. It's fair to say at the beginning of the movie, Dracula has been in his version of quarantine. He's been holed up for centuries with his pod of vampire brides. You know, as a vampire, he didn't have the luxury of looking at himself in the mirror, but if he did, he probably would have been like, oh, fuck, I've really let myself go. My skin is a mess. My nails are out of control. I've managed to beat this wig into submission by sculpting it into some kind of crazy bouffant, but I really should probably update my look. And a salon is not really an option right now. God, my wardrobe could use some help too, probably. Do people still go on a first stage dressed in embroidered red silk dressing gowns with nine-foot trains? What? It's casual kabuki. God, I'm so out of touch. No, it's okay. I can do this. What did he do? He spent some time resting and rejuvenating in the sacred earth of his homeland. Changed his diet. A few weeks of sleeping in a box away from the harmful effects of UV rays. A new regimen of blood smoothies. And the years just dropped off. Melted away. Now, that worked for Dracula, but what is your version of that? And let's keep in mind that above all else, this is about feeling good. Not needing to change anything about yourself before you can start dating. Because you are perfect as you are. But you might want to build yourself confidence up a little bit take good care of yourself and maybe shake off that quarantine dust. So last year at the onset of quarantine, I was in a (laughs) bad place. I was already depressed. I'd lost my job, which was very stressful as the job itself had been. I was still recovering from the end of a long-term relationship and it had all taken its toll on me. I was withdrawing. I'd gained a bunch of weight again. That's where I was at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, okay. This could all go very, very badly for me, especially if I'm sitting alone in my empty tomb of an apartment. I felt like I was already on a slippery slope and I didn't want to use the pandemic as an excuse or an opportunity to let things continue to slide. So I went and holed up with my parents rather than being alone because I knew that that would take a toll on my mental health for sure and probably my physical health too. I'm lucky to have had that option, I know, but it was still not the easiest decision to make because I felt some degree of shame around it. Like I'm an adult, I should be able to do this on my own, but rather than being hard on myself, I decided to do what I knew was best. I also decided to use the spaciousness of shutdown to my advantage, hopefully. You know, (laughs) I'd been wearing sweatpants and eating my way through the day for months already, so that wasn't all that appealing to me anymore. Instead, I decided to clean things up as best I could because I knew I'd physically feel better, probably look better too, feel like I was taking good care of myself. And when I was feeling ready to date which I knew was something I was gonna wanna do, I'd be in a position to do that. So that's what I did. I lost about 40 pounds, I updated my wardrobe, and I felt ready and healthy. There is a link between looking good and feeling good, even if that means just buying yourself a little something new to wear. So self-care is important. It makes you feel good. And it signals to the world that you love yourself enough to take care of yourself, treat yourself, toss out your gold-plated house dress and buy yourself a new top hat. Then when you show up on your date as your best self, you can feel confident and secure. And that's the only part you can really control anyway. Principle six, dating. Transylvanian style. One of the things that I most respect and admire about Dracula is, even though he was a bloodthirsty monster working through trauma, feeling like an outsider, hatching his schemes, plotting his plots, he never neglected ROMANCE in all caps. Romance. Dracula knew how to woo, and I think that's important. There is not enough romance in the world, particularly when it comes to dating. I think maybe some of that is, well, a combination of things. Romance isn't really modeled for us in my opinion, particularly if you're a gay man, nor is it valued in a swipey, could be i don't got the time baby culture but more importantly it seems like people just aren't willing to make themselves vulnerable in that way to really try to authentically connect with someone or god forbid to make them feel like they or your time together or whatever is in any way special because that might feel like some sort of loss of power or control and dating people who have their guard up is exhausting and when that's what you encounter over and over again you feel like you need to put your guard up too but dracula That romantic no-soul. (laughs) Where is his tender heart on his sleeve? really goes for it. When he sets his sights on something, there's a seduction that happens. He keeps it sexy and sophisticated, but without losing his edge. Just look at his date with Mina. He presumably has booked a private room at the swankiest restaurant in town. He dresses up. And puts in a degree of effort that says, I'm into you, and I'm willing to show it. Waiter, your finest bottle of absinthe, please. Now, we'll spend the evening really connecting, talking. Where are you from, a land beyond a great dark forest? Get out of here, me too. Damn, a slow dance by candlelight, and I'll walk you to your front door at the end of the night like a gentleman. Yes, I would love to see you again. That's how you do it. Call me old-fashioned, old world even. But I want to date Transylvania-style. I want to be wined, dined, and drained. Of course, I've had my fair share of dating experiences over the years. Ages ago, it seems. Oof, I am old and have many bad memories. But last summer, with the appropriate distance of both a year from my breakup and six feet from any potential suitors, I attempted to start dating again, responsibly. But still, in Los Angeles, in a pandemic. But COVID, no COVID, It's never easy. And people are so bad at dating you guys. So bad. I managed to go on about 10 dates over the span of a few months wearing masks. Don't worry. And I sampled the dating buffet yet again. God, I'm going to miss buffets. That's the real tragedy of the pandemic, I think. But anyway, I got a lot of things. Ghosted, grossed out, (laughs) gaslit, all the Gs. But romance, nah, no. Um, I had one guy show up in flip flops and a shirt with dinosaurs on it who spent a large portion of our time together telling me about being like really into dating British guys because he loved foreskin. Just loved it. Couldn't get enough. Mm, Oh, tell me more while you're not offering to pay for anything. The crazy part is he seemed pretty interested. So I think that was like acceptable to him. This was good first date banter. And Is that what you do when you're into someone? Like, regale them with your adventures and foreskin? Am I wrong? To be fair, that's kind of European, but it doesn't have to be like that. Tell me it doesn't have to be like that. You know, Dracula, sure. Did he have something going with Lucy on the side while he was figuring his shit out with Mina? Yeah, he did, but that was his business, and he had enough sense to not tell Mina about it. Can you imagine if you'd been like, yeah, I couldn't bother run a comb through this wig before taking you out. And by the way, did I mention I'm like super into aristocrats with giant knockers? So anyways, what's your deal? Can I call you? So if any of you want to be wooed or at the very least not disgusted <laughs> like me, I support you. You're not asking for too much. It's okay to know how you want to be treated and how you want to treat people romance, seduction, a long game, fine textiles, gemstones, fireplaces, horse drawn carriages, pelts. Make mine a Transylvanian tryst with a twist. That's my relationship style, Transylvania tryst. And I make no apologies. I'll settle for nothing less swipe left. <sighs> I cannot let this be. Please,
0: I don't care. Make me you. are I love you because I am to walk in the shadow of death for all eternity. I love you too much to continue.
1: Principle 7. Love Magic or the man in manifestation. So as you probably know, I seem to end up talking a lot about magic on this show. And I guess I've come to understand that magic is one of my core values, which I didn't necessarily know (laughs) before starting the show. But what do I really mean by that? I think that magic primarily means to me a sense of awe and wonder, playfulness, Irreverence and joy, regaining or maintaining a sense of that joy in life, and above all, a belief in possibilities, especially when I feel cynical or bitter or just exhausted. I always find that I do best when I try to stay connected to my passion and my enthusiasm for the things that I love. I am not here for anyone who takes themselves too seriously or who's too cool for school. That's not interesting to me. That's kind of my very broad definition of magic. And I think we are trying to make something happen or find anything in life you can do everything right you can work hard you can plan you can strategize but there's only so much you can control and orchestrate usually we find ourselves in need of a special ingredient to bring things to fruition and you can call it whatever you want coincidence random chance, right place, right time, luck, or if you're a little more comfortable getting witchy and metaphysical like me, maybe you'd use words like synchronicity, our friend, divine timing, manifestation, or magic. Something beyond your pay grade, seemingly outside of your control that helps push things in the right direction. Whatever it is, When you find that right job or meet that right person, when the pieces fall into place, even if there was a process involved and even a seemingly long passage of time, it can still feel like, whoa, something's going on here. So when it comes to love, why not let magic do some of the work? The very notion of that is pretty romantic in and of itself, right? And love is magic, a force, an ethereal transcendent thing that's hard to explain and maybe kind of hard to make happen. I don't really understand it, but I know I want to feel it. Maybe the idea of magic in any way, shape or form is difficult for you to stomach. Well, that's okay, but what if we can loosen that up a little bit? There's certainly a thread of magic running through Dracula. Aside from Dracula, of course, being a supernatural force, the team of light headed by Dr. Van Helsing, who comes together to confront darkness, finds it necessary to forget what they think they know to be true, of science and technology and reason, and acknowledge that there's another layer to reality. As Dr. Van Helsing states, we are dealing with forces beyond all human experience and enormous power. Jack, you are a scientist. You do not think that there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true? (laughs) For our heroes, just acknowledging the existence of Dracula requires some kind of belief in magic, even if they don't really understand it, and a letting go. And I would offer to you that in that regard, the pursuit of Dracula is the same as the pursuit of love. You kind of just gotta believe in magic. So I'll tell you one more story for the road. I would say relationship partnership, collaboration. Those things have always been something I've wanted in my life. A best friend, a romantic partner, someone willing to go to the deep places with me, someone to seek out the dark forces and join their hellish crusade. I totally wanna get married at some point. I want that and I'm not ashamed to admit it. But sometimes I got the impression that I was kind of supposed to be. And I'd be a little surprised to be met with surprise, I guess, that I had such clarity around it. And for no other reason, than maybe it's kind of like not considered cool or we don't want to sound desperate or like we think we're incomplete. But more than any of that, I think maybe a lot of us are afraid to say out loud what we want, maybe because we're scared that it feels too big or we don't think we deserve it, or that if we tell people what we want, and then it seems like we're not getting it, we're going to find ourselves in a place of having to, like, explain why and what's happening and make excuses for it. So better to just not say anything. It can be hard and scary, but in service to starting to bring, let's say, magic in, I think that is a good first step. Give voice to what you want. Don't be afraid to talk about it. I think talking about it gives it power, and maybe even gives you power. Kind of like, you know in horror movies sometimes, speaking a demons name gives you power over it like in the conjuring 2 give voice to it demon i speak your name and that name is love get me a Nosferatu table for two so i've gotten very clear on what i want in a relationship i was doing my part putting myself out there and of course getting frustrated because i was having all of these not great experiences and i just wanted the person to like hurry up Tale as old as time so i decided you know kind of just for fun what if magic in some form could play a bigger role in moving things along maybe yet another definition of magic is a kind of focusing of energy with the intention of making something happen co-creating one's reality these are all terms that you've probably heard before right i don't know and that could probably look any number of different ways but because i love all things halloween and witchy and maybe because i was in quarantine and it just seemed crazy enough to work or crazy enough to pass some time i decided to do a love spell. Why not? So I did some reading. I looked at some love spells and I kind of Frankenstein together the parts that I liked and added some ideas of my own. And I happened to see that coming up, there was a powerful new moon in my sign of Pisces. Like, I don't really know what that means, but it sounded good. Great. Couldn't hurt. That'll be my night. And I made a whole big thing out of it. It was really fun, but it also felt intentional and kind of sacred, if I may say so, in a way that was like, this is me claiming and asking for what I want. Tap, tap, tap. Anybody out there? This thing on? Hello? Hello? So my favorite part was... And this was an elaborate ritual, you guys, and I won't get into the details because if you're going to do it, I think you should make up your own like I did. But I got two male figure candles, two dudes, and I placed them at either end of a tray after dressing them with some love oil I'd gotten from my local witch store. And my local witch store happens to be Pan's Apotheca on Santa Monica Boulevard. Check it out. Vicky will hook you up. And I lit the candles um, every night for a week, slowly moving them closer together with the idea that they would meet in the middle on the last night and the idea of this was you know like drawing your person closer to you so somewhere around night three one of them exploded into a pile of goo and i was like oh shit well that sounds right i'm out of luck because if i have a person out there he's probably like never going to show up because he's literally a hot mess pile of goo but nevertheless she persisted i persisted i kept moving the remaining guy candle closer to the pile of goo Until on night seven, they became one big pile of goo together. Magic is messy, at least the way I do it, just like love. Love is messy too. So I was like, well, that was fun, but also maybe kind of dumb. And I'm never going to tell anyone about this. So, yeah, that happened at the very beginning of September. (sighs) Wait, did I mention that I live with someone now? And that, no joke, we met online. The day after my week long candle spell, <laughs> and that this person who had previously lived in another state had, unbeknownst to me, slowly been moving closer, first to Northern California, then to Los Angeles. And when we first started talking, he told me he was in the process of moving yet again to his final destination. Oh, where? To a place that ended up being four blocks away from me. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, I can't say much else because he doesn't really want me to talk about him on the show, and that's fine. But I kind of feel like I consciously the dark prince of my dreams (laughs) was it magic was it a crazy coincidence i don't know but it was something feels like something feels like love (laughs) how will this story end who can say but for now it is a good story and i'm gonna keep reading so when it comes to love let's remember principle seven let magic do its thing even if for you that just means acknowledging that there are things beyond our understanding and perception don't rely solely on magic either you can do your part too after all our heroes in dracula triumph by relying on both science and magic reason and faith what does that mean in 2021 i don't know do a spell and download tinder Worked for me. Today is Audrey Nee. She has many, many credits to her name, but I would say her biggest accomplishment in life is being my friend for 25 plus years. Would you agree with that, Audrey?
0: Yes, and you're welcome. Uh, There was like a little hesitation, (laughs) but that's okay. I thought I could count on you for
1: validation and something like a little more, a little more in the way of a ringing endorsement of our friendship, but that's cool. We have crossed... Oceans, oceans of time, of time. <laughs> oceans of time you knew i was gonna say it but um i feel like i've misled you a little bit oh shit over all these years no just kidding oh. just recently as it pertains to this phone call i got you on the line no. under the guise of talking about dracula which we both Um, know well and love well but mainly I just wanted to have you on because this is my Valentine's Day episode and I wanted to detonate a love bomb in
0: your face and tell you how much I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow that is aggressive and I appreciate it. Is this like am I on what was that show, Punked or something? <laughs> yeah, what an,
1: listen to you. Like you're like I'm young. How you say punk? That's before my time. <laughs> what do you uh, baby boomers call that show? That's also a lie cuz we're going to talk about Dracula. Okay, but I just want to say happy Valentine's Day and I love you. All. Oh,
0: thank you. Feeling is very mutual.
1: So, do you remember the first time you saw this movie?
0: I do. I saw it in theaters when I was a baby. I'm not going to say how old I was. I was three. Mm -hmm. It's true.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. In theaters (laughs) as a baby.
0: And I think I went with my cousin and we saw something beforehand and she like snuck us. I don't know why I'm saying we, but yeah, like I think she snuck us in to see this after whatever the other movie was. That was probably not rated R. And yeah, that was was, uh, the first time I saw this.
1: Now, I'm guessing that you were interested in seeing it not because it was Dracula or horror movie or anything like that, but maybe because of a certain screen siren who we both <laughs> admire greatly. Uh,
0: maybe. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well,
1: let's, not, let's, not, let's not be coy. This is a safe space. If we can't talk about it here, then where can we talk about it?
0: Okay, fair enough. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we're talking about Winona Ryder, knowns to us. Oh, I was to about Gary Oldman, but... No, (laughs) you weren't either. Does anyone else call her knowns? Is Uh, that like a common thing? Is that one of those things I thought we kind of started, but everyone does it, and it's like, oh, that's not...
0: That's a good question. It's kind of like Swilda, like, does everyone call Tilda Swinton Swilda, but... Probably not. (laughs) I think we may have made up knowns, but now... It's so just normalized to me that I assume that's like her, you know, nick- universally understood nickname.
1: Yeah. Knowns, nonies, knowners. <laughs> yeah. So do you remember what you thought about it when you first saw it? What was your response? How did you react?
0: Oh my God. I'm trying to remember because it's like, it's a little difficult because I can't remember at what point I became kind of obsessed with Winona. And I think it was, it was like right around this time. When did um, Edward Scissorhands come out? Ninety. 90? Okay, so I was probably Mm -hmm. already like deeply into her. It definitely boosted like the elevated the film for me right like I don't know if I would have liked it as much the first time considering how young I was when I first saw it if she hadn't been in it but for some reason the image that keeps popping into my head right now is like when she's shoving her cleavage into Anthony Hopkins face (laughs) or the other way around even though that's not that's not like my first impression of it I wasn't like ooh Winona's boobs but I do remember okay now I remember this all it's all coming back to me now (laughs) I do remember promptly after I saw the movie, I was taking this like ceramics class. I think it must've been in junior high. And I promptly, after I saw the film, made like a Dracula mask out of ceramics, um, out of clay. And then I also made...
1: Like the gargoyle face from the marketing or what? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That one. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I wonder if I still have it anyway. And then the other thing I made in that class was like this, it was sort of like an urn, (laughs) I guess. Uh... Also, you were so gothy. I know. I was like a baby goth for sure. It clearly left an impression on me, even though I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily like in touch with those emotions anymore. I it manifested as physical objects. Yeah, you channeled it into your art. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Exactly.
1: I think we both have revisited this film many times over the years, Mm -hmm. at least a, a few times together, and we can like pull from the dialogue at any given moment and like sort of lapse into shorthand sometimes. But have you shared this movie with anyone? who kind of I'll say gr- didn't grow up with it the way that I consider us having grown up with it who watched it recently who hadn't seen it before didn't have a history with it and if so like how did they react to it
0: I don't think so like I think I think Heather my partner had seen it already I don't think she's a huge fan of it so I don't think I've I've like forced it upon her again but I feel like a kind of protective of it because I feel like a lot of people it's not their cup of tea and I worry about exposing them to it you know for fear of negative feedback <laughs> which another
1: way of saying that is they don't deserve the movie oh yeah okay, in my that's, opinion. that's a
0: nice oh I like that I like that perspective better yeah okay
1: yes well I- I'm glad to hear you say that and that's kind of what I was asking because this is one of the movies that I hold very near and dear but I've also seen it so many times and I just like love it so much that I can't see its flaws mm-hmm. necessarily or be objective about it like the movie just is what it is to me so sometimes when i have watched it with someone who had never seen it before and they don't react well to it i'm like (laughs) what and i get like you said very protective of the movie i just want to like yank it back away from like you know what we're done here like you don't deserve this movie so yeah it's not generally in my experience well received maybe in general but certainly not if you watch it now for the first
0: time i don't know if it's aged well i can't say objectively how how it's aged but it feels kind of like a personal blow if they respond to it negatively it feels like they're they're kind of um responding to you as a person it does (laughs) it does which
1: i realize is like vaguely irrational or very irrational but nonetheless it still stings like oh i feel exposed somehow yeah Uh, maybe we should rewatch it together i'm willing to say it's aged pretty well aside from the casting which (gasps) you know clearly places it not because of the performances necessarily but just because the casting is very much of its time but you know, mm. because of the way the film was made, like they made the choice to not use any technology that hadn't been invented after a certain date. So yeah. there's no like early 90s like CGI. Oh, that's a good and, point. And like the costumes with almost are almost kabuki inspired. Yeah. They're not like super on the nose. So I feel like all of that kind of places it in its own world. Yeah. Out of time. And aside from like a young Keanu and Winona, if you watched it, you wouldn't necessarily be able to pinpoint when it was made. Do you think that's true?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's all it's all like. Practical practical effects right right okay so it's kind of like watching a really old film like something from like the 40s or 50s and how in a sense like those feel timeless because they don't have like the cheesy sort of star wars you know cgi like you're saying yeah yeah i think that's accurate but again it's hard to say because i feel so subjective mm-hmm. about it like you know, if it, how it has aged. But now I'm curious, like, have you shown it to someone recently? Because it sounds like you have.
1: <laughs> well, I've done it a couple times, I think. And okay. the last time I remember doing it was a few years ago. And it happened to be someone I was in a relationship with at the time. And his response was, he actually said the words, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh my God. And I know you watch it every year, but I am never watching that again. And you know what? I think things like this are a fair litmus test for whether or not you should be in a relationship with someone (laughs) You don't have to like it or even really understand it, but you have to respect it for my benefit and maybe not go out of your way to trash
0: something that, yeah you know, or is important the, to me. Right. Like at the very least, don't trash it like that.
1: Yeah. But also, how many movies have you seen if this is the worst movie you've ever right. seen? Probably not that many.
0: I feel like that was intentional to offend you.
1: Well, I like to know that sometimes I feel like, David, that's crazy. You're overreacting. No one would do that. And Audrey's like, oh, no, they were out to get you for sure.
0: You can always count on me to tell you the truth.
1: I know. I absolutely can, which is why I call you all the time. And I never make any major decisions without talking to you first. Uh, But kind of going back to what we were saying, like this movie Mm -hmm. is so visual. I feel like... If you'd never seen it before, and we showed it to someone on mute, they would probably be able to follow it just as well. Ooh. All right. Well, I want to ask you a few questions. Uh Uh-oh. Wait. Not really about- Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not really about the movie, but vaguely relevant to the movie. Okay. (laughs) Let's just see. Let's just see where we go.
0: I hope it's a personality test. Musician
1: Tom Waits plays Renfield in the movie. What do you think of that casting, by the way? Like, what do you think that conversation was? Like, you know who we should get for this? Tom Waits.
0: You know- I think when I first saw it, I don't think I knew who Tom Waits was. I don't yeah, know. I'm
1: sure. I, I'm sure I didn't.
0: And since then, he's probably played that same character over, over and over again, or some variation of it, right? Like, he's never just like, I am a businessman. So, I, I mean, right. I, I don't know. I thought, he did, I thought he did a great Renfield.
1: You know, Tom Waits, of course, primarily known as a musician, not necessarily an actor. But here he is as Renfield in Dracula. Mm-hmm. So, I want to ask you, Henry, <laughs> no. which of these Tom Waits album titles do you... You think accurately describes your love life and romantic style Ooh. and why <laughs> oh boy So i'm gonna give you five choices okay of tom okay, white's albums ready okay your choices are foreign affairs bad as me blue valentine real gone or bone machine
0: oh i mean obviously bone machine same <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that needs an explanation. <laughs>
1: no, no, you don't care to elaborate.
0: <laughs> no, I think I think that your listeners can use their imagination,
1: and they sure will. Someone just dimmed their lights. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> okay, because we just kind of talked about the only thing that might sort of expose when this movie was made is the casting. Mm-hmm. If you were gonna do a shot-for-shot remake of this movie with the same script, same costumes, everything, but just different let's say contemporary actors. Oh my God. Who would you
0: cast? Oh, damn. Well, I kind of feel like Gary Oldman can just reprise his role. (laughs) That's fair. You know, um, who would be a good Mina i think lucy could be a mackenzie davis (laughs) i don't know i just want to i just want to include her (laughs) i was waiting for her to show up (laughs) actually i think i think mackenzie davis would play a good jonathan
1: Ooh, i would love like gender swap casting or gender blind casting tilda Um, as van helsing or or dracula oh shit actually tilda should be dracula Mm, yeah i kind of think so too
0: Mm -hmm. van helsing hmm trying to think who would be maybe judy dench i feel like the three do the other three other dudes are kind of interchangeable for me (laughs) like i don't <laughs> just throw some people at that that's fair uh-huh.
1: like random white dudes who cares anyone yeah. can do it yeah
0: exactly let's see who else would be good oh maybe um what's what's her name would be a good mina the person who plays she's one of the olsons is it elizabeth olson from the marvel movies yes
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I think she she could
1: be good. Well, we can't be bothered to cast the other three dudes, meaning Lucy's suitors: mm-hmm. Doctor Seward, Quincy P. Morris, and Lord Arthur Homewood. I'm gonna ask you, fuck Mary Kill, Lucy's three suitors. <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Well, since they're just one jumbled rat's nest in my head, I'm. Let's see. I kind of vaguely remember the people who played them. Like it was like Carrie Elwes was Arthur Homewood. Arthur, who she Okay.
1: Eventually agrees to marry. Yeah
0: billy was like the cowboy dude quincy right Mm -hmm. and then Mm. who was the other one i'm gonna kill him
1: i think that's fair i mean the doctor
0: oh the doctor okay he's dead um okay doctor's dead mary i'm trying to think would i go with lucy's choice or would i flip those you are such a lucy yeah i think i think i would i think i would marry lord arthur and kill quincy or sorry fuck Mm. quincy kill jack but I don't know if I want to fuck any of them, to be exactly honest. What well, you don't have to, but... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks.
1: You can take a life, but... Well, if you were given the opportunity to be um, bathed in blood <laughs> and given eternal life, would you accept that?
0: Wait, okay. If I were given the opportunity to be bathed in blood, sure. Mm-hmm. Accept <laughs> eternal life. Uh, would I have to be, like, wed to Dracula forever? No, like, if your forever love... Was like, I'm going to
1: baptize you with my blood so that we can live together forever in a mm, castle. Yeah. What would you do?
0: Yeah, I'd go
1: for it. You would do it? I think so.
0: Because you can always die. You're like, there's fine print <laughs> under eternal life. You know, like I can get my head chopped off and like wood staked through heart. my heart. And yeah, yeah. So if you've had enough, you can just
1: walk directly into the sun.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Which would also kill me on any given day. (laughs) I'm in direct sunlight. (laughs) Are you a vampire? I just went to the dermatologist. I'm fine for now. I have heard tell that you are in a long-term relationship because you told me or because I just know that to be true. Is that accurate?
0: Um, what does long-term relationship
1: mean? Sure. Yeah. I, guess I don't so. know. You've, I, been with, you've been with Heather for her a long time.
0: I have been. Yeah. We've been in a relationship for almost nine years. It's true. Congratulations. Thank you.
1: So at this point, nine years in like tell me what do you really think about love what do you really think about true love is it a coincidence when you find someone who seems to be the right person is it just random chance is there any level or sense of like meant to be-ness about it or is it just we're all banging around hoping for the best what do you think
0: is this a real question or is this like a a real question
1: (laughs) no it's not a trick how would i trick you
0: i don't know it sounds like it's gonna lead into something bad um no, it isn't. I'm
1: just, you know, Dracula at one point really waxes poetic, and he's like, mm. "Do you believe that, you know, even the powers of time can be altered for a single purpose? Yada, yada, yada. Fate, true love. Where do you stand?"
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm as dramatic as Dracula is. Is about it. Like, I think it's possible. <laughs> Who is you, David? You are no. Um, well, <laughs> I like. I think I have those feelings, but I don't think I'm like. The way that I express them is—is that extreme? What what feelings
1: exactly?
0: You know the feelings of like my my partner committed suicide and I came back to life. You know, hundreds of years later. Yeah, (laughs) those feelings. And then Uh, I become obsessed with my husband. You I know, know. Or fiance, whatever. I out of the picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, can you ask your question again? I feel like it's very broad. Is it?
1: Yes. Okay, I'll try to be a little more succinct about it. Okay. When it comes to true love, is there any element of meant to be Oh, I see. Fate, fate, two souls being brought together, or when it happens, is it merely coincidence, random chance? Oh, I see you okay. Maybe it works out.
0: I don't think I believe in fate, but I, I don't know if I, like, maybe somewhere in between? I don't if, if that's a space that exists. I think that people put too much value into that concept. And because of that, don't necessarily, like, work on building the relationship and, like, you know, building the love and, like, making, sort of supporting it to continue, I guess, if that makes sense. It's like, if that were if that were true, right? If, like, if fate were a factor in in love, <laughs> it would be kind of fucked up because, like, most relationships end, right? So it's kind of, I think it's, that's kind of like a depressing, pessimistic way to look at love. Like you don't have that much control over it, right? But I don't know if I want to say it's like, I mean, I guess it could be coincidence, but I think you can also figure out ways to kind of, I think you can fall in love with a lot of different people. And by fall in love, I don't necessarily mean like passionate sexual love maybe that's not the right way to phrase it but like you know I I think there's like varying degrees of what that means and I think you can have that kind of deep connection deep meaningful connection with many people and I think that we have this there's this like construct that we you know we need to find this like one true soulmate and that to me is like a if you never find it that sucks for you and then b if you find it or I don't know like I guess it seems like you're putting like all your eggs in one basket in a sense anyway I don't know I'm just kind of rambling I don't I feel like that's It's not like a good answer. And I think putting all your eggs in one
1: basket, at least early on, is never a good idea. Do you think that's why Dracula kind of had a side thing going on with Lucy, just in case it didn't work <laughs> out with Mina? Because, like, there's really no other reason for why he was up to, like, turning her into a vampire, other than, like, it was just fun for him to spread evil.
0: Yeah. Or maybe, is was there a part of him that was, like, trying to get her out of the picture? I don't know. I don't,
1: well, she wasn't a threat. I think he, like, just, you know, you don't want to obsess over one person. You need to, like, not lose yourself. Yeah. Make sure that's that you're the still best Still giving Itch. adequate time to your other hobbies and interests. So he was like, While I'm trying to really develop this relationship with Mina, I'm going to explore my other hobbies and things that I love doing, which is turning people evil and destroying their lives. Like, I don't want to lose sight of that. <laughs> Just because I'm in a relationship, I don't want to be the vampire who starts like neglecting their friends, failing to live up to their oath to wage war on Christianity and all that's holy. Yeah, I think that's. I'm a, a man good of my take. word.
0: I mean, maybe there was some subtext there where she was, she and Mina had something going on. You well, know, we see hints of that. <laughs>
1: I mean, things get crazy when you're in a garden and it starts raining. You're just like, oh, sorry, I tripped and my lips touched yours. What? Did you like it? Oh, me too. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like those, those old paintings of like two women in bed together and they were like quote unquote friends, right? I think it's like a little bit of that. God, I love art.
1: I'm with you. I don't believe in fate. I don't believe that there's like one other person out there who was born for you. You were yeah. born for each other. But I think, yeah, somewhere in the middle, I definitely believe in and free will and that we you know are free to make our own choices but continue to evolve as people over mm-hmm. the course of our lives and who is right for us at one point in our life is definitely not right in a la- at a later point. Yeah. So there's probably not like one chosen person for you.
0: I 100% agree with that.
1: But I think when you're in a mindset or a place where that kind of relationship is something that you're wanting, there's like s- kind of sort of something that can bring you together with someone that's maybe beyond our control, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know exactly what that is, but it seems like something that you couldn't like make happen even if you really wanted to. Yeah, I guess maybe that is just coincidence.
0: But that's not very romantic
1: <laughs> Valentine's Day episode.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I like to think of it as coincidence necessarily, but I don't know. It's it is strange, right? When you connect with someone on that level, it does feel like it does feel like fate right it feels like everything's kind of aligning for you to be be with them because mm-hmm. it's it seems very rare especially nowadays how i mean maybe there are people out there who just that happens to them like constantly right but speaking for myself that's not the case
1: i don't know and i don't think that that only applies to relationships and certainly not just romantic relationships whether it be like finding a job moving finding a place to live mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like i don't know circumstances are right and wheels kind of lock into place and you're like this feels right or like i don't know how this happened but sort of worked
0: out in my favor so
1: that there's some sort of something maybe pushing us in the right direction i don't know what it is maybe it's knowns
0: it's definitely knowns
1: what if she's the great puppet master (laughs) she's at the center of all time and space it's just her head floating for eternity i'd be cool with that
0: i mean i've never doubted that's yeah that's how i see her
1: all right well it was great to talk to you as always happy valentine's day do you have anything else you'd like to add about love
0: dracula death (laughs)
1: winona
0: Wait, do I get like a personality result? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> You're a lover, not a fighter. Uh, thank you. Um, let's see. Any final parting words? Uh, I- I'm personally not a huge fan of Valentine's Day. I, I realize that I'm probably telling you this too late because you called me on Valentine's Day. But I feel like every day is Valentine's Day with you because I just love you so much, David.
1: And I'm so <laughs> flattered. I almost just like clutched at my non-existent pearls. Like, What? <laughs> And I didn't really, I mean, I guess I could have, I guess I sort of did know that you didn't care one way or the other about Valentine's Day, but I'm glad you answered the phone. <laughs> if I called you on Valentine's Day. You could have been like, sorry, wrong number. All right. Thanks again so much, Audrey. Happy Dracula. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, thank you, David. Bye. Bye. Now it's time to ask the Horacle. I'm going to pull a card for us from our horror-inspired deck and ask it what it wants us to know for Valentine's Day. The card that we have pulled is Incubation. The photo on the card is the face hugger from Alien. And the message on the card reads, The seed of inspiration has recently been planted within you. Be gentle with any ideas as they are worth exploring. Feed your dreams and allow them to take root within you. Provide inspiration and creativity with a willing host body and you will soon reap the benefits of an unexpected harvest. Okay. Okay. I like it. Let's not forget we're not only in the middle of winter, but still in the middle of dealing with COVID. Things might feel lifeless right now, but don't forget that incubation is an important part of any new growth or birthing process. Just because you can't see changes happening doesn't mean that things aren't progressing just as they should be. I think this also speaks to that idea of divine timing that has come up a couple times today. Don't force anything you don't need to force anything don't try to rush it don't try to rush to the end and also don't be too hard on yourself if you feel like you're supposed to be doing something right now maybe some downtime and going within is just what you need and when it's time to move you'll know congratulations on completing your course of study at prince vlad's charm school the luckiest man who walks on this earth is the one who finds true love. I happen to believe that. I also believe and know that if love is something you want, you deserve it and you are worthy. Not only that, but it's possible, probable even. So claim it. If you've been hurt, frustrated, angry, let down, any of it, let's take a deep breath together and let it out. Do you know how they say nature abhors a vacuum? I think love does too. So let go of that resistance, and I bet love will come rushing in like a weird green mist trying to sneak under the covers. with you. Never forget that you are whole and complete as you are. And that's the perfect time to join forces with someone. Maybe you already have. And if you haven't, well, now's the time. So get out there and find your person. Howling at the moon is just more fun when you have someone to do with. Happy Valentine's Day, bye. This show is an Unreliable Narrator production. For more information, visit unreliablenarrator.org.